sweating in bed keeping you up at night? Whoa, get your mind out of the gutter. This isn't that kind of commercial. You need the cooling power of Purple, the mattress that is. It's comfort reinvented thanks to the Purple Grid. It allows air to flow through, so you sleep cool and comfortable all night long. And it flexes and cushions no matter what position you sleep in. Hmm, maybe it is that kind of commercial. Anyway, save up to $400 on select Purple mattresses and bedding bundles. Get yours at purple.com slash sleep in. Terms apply. But yeah, it's not uh, the reality is you have to look it up. The reality is... Oh, that's the radio ad program. Okay. All right. Reality is... Hold up, Bill. All right, well, we're going to get out of here, man. It was a nice game. Don, finish New Orleans. The city of drunken nights and jazz. The city where cheeks explode from smiles and the sound of music being made from within. Trumpets, saxophones, and flutes are put to good use here. Violins, bucket drums, and toe tapping are no good in second place. See, music is the heart of this city, made up of a collective of different musicians and two whole handfuls of different people. This is New Orleans we're talking about. From Satchmo all the way down to new friends like Flopa and the rest of the street people, New Orleans still stands and breathes today with her breasts poked out, stomach sucked in, and ass swaying in the wind just like it did once before, pre-Katrina. See, Katrina took so much from the city and replaced it with characteristics such as resiliency, commitment, and so many stories that can make any badass kid sit still for more than a moment's time. This is the city where blue, green, yellow, and even red eyes exist, and black people are bountiful and full here. Their smiles as thick as their hair. Their legacy as long as their prideful strides. This is New Orleans. A city of trendsetting, even while transitioning and loving, even when the rest of the world consistently casts them out. The red hair of the states, but every once in a while when we need more than an agenda and disingenuous people, New Orleans gives us that real funk, that honest to God truth, so much so that even the most stuck up and overpretentious of us fall subject to the city's laughter and vulnerability. Why? Because this is New Orleans. I've thought about it for quite some time how I wanted to uh, describe my last encounter with New Orleans. I thought maybe I'll write it down and create something to where I can narrate it, which is what I'm doing now. But I didn't want to read it and make it sound like disconnected. You know, anytime I do a podcast or poetry or anything, I try to write something or, or, or say something off the top of my head to make it sound like it's coming directly from my belly, from my heart, from my mind, not literally scripted. So much of media today is scripted to make you feel good, to tell a story, which is what I'm doing. But I want to try to do it in a different light. I want to try to address and talk about my encounters um, with New Orleans, with sound bites and interviews that I had with some of the citizens and the society of New Orleans when I visited this past weekend. I just didn't want anything to sound like I was reading it, like some uh, sing song, humdrum, you know, podcast. I didn't want that. I wanted to talk about the sounds of New Orleans, like uh, the trolley and uh, the police cars, how the trolley made this thumping, uh, ringing noise when the bell came. And it was crazy because New Orleans is a city not only that puts you in a place, uh, puts you in your place, but it has people that put you in your place. You're probably saying, what do you mean by that? 
I was getting on to uh, getting ready to board a trolley. Um, and when I got ready to board the trolley, it was broken. And the woman simply told us, it's broken. You can catch the next one. Excuse my tones in the background. So I was like, damn, she just told us to just catch the next one like it was nothing. Like she can't get fired for talking crazy to us. But I was okay with that. Some of the white people around definitely didn't take well to that. So then the next trolley came up and the white people proceeded to go down the street to try to jump on the trolley. And a lady stood up from her seat and she opened up the window in the front of the trolley and she said, wait, don't come down here. Wait till I come down now. I don't know how to talk like a New Orleans, New or New Orleanian, but that's the best I got. And uh, they sat there. They stopped dead in their tracks. They didn't come. I don't see too many black people, especially here in Dallas and in Texas, telling white people what to do. Even if they're in a position of power, they're hesitant. Even when they speak about white people, they whisper white people. I have a couple of friends I can name that do that. I still have yet to understand why they do that, because you're not saying anything derogatory about them. You're just telling the truth when you're speaking in reference to them. But some of us have subconsciously been whipped into submission to not say things that are deemed unworthy or things that are deemed unnecessary or deemed as we shouldn't be saying these things. Subconsciously, we're trained. The sounds of the trolley reminded me of school bells. It reminded me of a good time. It reminded me of things that I had never done before, like riding public transportation. If you know me, you know that I am not a fan of public transportation, but to see the city, I was told that I need to ride the trolley that takes us from Bourbon and Canal through Loyola University, uh, through and past Tulane. And if we get lucky, stop by Camellias and enjoy their meals and the big breasted women. I was told that by a good friend of mine by the name of Flopa, as you'll hear a couple of um, sound bites that I, I got with him. And Flopa is a good friend that I made while in New Orleans, one of the street people down there, or the homeless, as we call them here in Dallas. Great story coming up. The crowds were full of energy and full of excitement as they dressed up for like the Easter parades. It was crazy. The people were energetic and laid back at the same time what do you mean by laid back everybody spoke to everybody nobody really paid attention to color i think for me i saw more interracial dating in louisiana in new orleans louisiana than i've seen anywhere in my life more beautiful white women with handsome black men and black men with asian women and black men with puerto ricans and dominicans and hispanics and oh yeah black men with black women holding their hands Wrapping their arms around their shoulders, claiming they're black, beautiful queens. I don't have anything with people dating outside of their race. Just don't forget about the sisters and respect the sisters as they need to be respected. And these brothers did. These brothers held their women by their shoulders, held their women around their waistline, around their thighs. They took care of their women. You hear a lot of these dings. I haven't used my uh, computer in quite some time to give you guys a podcast. So every update is coming through and I'm OK with that. But it was just amazing to see black on black love and see all different facets and colors of love come together without really thinking about anything. It was just really, really, really amazing to see. 
hated this vacation. You know, there's so much been going on here in Dallas with the transitioning of the, the Reality As podcast. Uh, some of my cohorts moved on to better endeavors to better themselves and careers and school. Congratulations to them. So I needed a little break for myself, and New Orleans gave me that. I always talk about meeting great people, and I preach reciprocity. And I was able to see receive reciprocity through conversation and dialogue from a good friend uh, that was part of the street people named Flopa. Flopa introduced me to some of the essence of, of New Orleans. Um, I, I ran into Flopa while I was down on Bourbon and Canal with Artesia. And if you if you listen to the podcast, you know Artesia um, is, is, is my significant other. You know she is um, a part of the reality is as the content and uh, creator and uh, assistant of the show. And he told us about Chris Owens and, and Chris Owens is a part of this essence of New Orleans. You know, he owns several clubs down there, as you'll hear um, when I when I rode the clip of Flo, you know, Flopa talking and me and Flopa talking. And he talked about things that make New Orleans New Orleans, you know, giving us tips on where to go and where to eat and where to hang out and, you know, who Chris Owens is. Who happens to be one of the entrepreneurs, one of the richest people in the French Quarter. He also owns two clubs down here and half the block. Most tourists don't know that Chris Chris Owens is really Christopher Owens, and he was the first person in the United States to have a sex change. That's crazy. There Am I lying? Most tourists don't know that. Yeah. Most, he had a sex operation. Yeah, he had to change. Flopa went on to tell us a story about tips. <laughs> you know, he talked about how he tells people where to go, where to eat, you know, and he don't expect much. You know, all he wants is to be appreciated. And we attack. Yeah. And we street people. So quite naturally, we expect to give us a tip or something. Yeah. But we can tell you where to go. You, you, if y'all, y'all a couple? Yeah. Okay. Take her to the river walk where y'all go. Yeah. We're on Royal Street. Now, Royal Street ain't going to be jumping a day too much because it's a parade. Yeah. We say parade here. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's a parade today, so you ain't going to find too much on Royal. Yeah. When you want to eat reasonably, go right around this corner with this chicken shack. Yeah, we ate there last night. Shrimp. Yeah. See, ya? am I lying? Because yeah. <laughs> if you go in one of these places here, bro. Yeah, because we went you to... You better a, own the radio station. Yeah, we went to... <laughs> yeah. We went to Kingfish last night. Uh-huh. It wasn't... No, it wasn't good at all. Yeah, and see, I'm gonna show you something. You see all these people over at Acme House, Acme Oyster House. Yeah. They gonna pay three times the money that they'll pay right there in Peterson's Oyster Bar. Yeah. I remember when black folks couldn't even walk on these. Yeah. 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 They still <laughs> can't hardly now. Flopo, along with others, um, gave us some insight of where to go with riding the trolley and things to see. Uh, he's one of the people who told us about Camellia's, the restaurant down there. Oceana was a place that we ate at, and I must say the food, as we all know, is amazing down there. They made uh, French toast with French bread. And when I say it was finger-licking good, I wanted to lick the damn plate. Uh, it was so good. 
I just I don't know. It's something about New Orleans. New Orleans just gives you a feeling. It's it's refreshing uh, for the mental the mental psyche. It's it's something that you just you want to hang on to. And I know the people down there for me are so appreciative. I know when I got ready to uh, depart from Flopa, I was telling them about the reality is and. After meeting with Flopa, before I left, as you just heard, I shook his hand. His hands looked like he hadn't washed them in probably weeks. Uh, Flopa wore a dirty baseball snapback that was flimsy. He had a keychain around his neck with no keys, as if he had nowhere to go. He had a dirty white hoodie on, covered in a... A dingy green rain jacket. He had a twelve o'clock shade, uh, twelve o'clock shadow, a little rough, salt and pepper beard. Flopa stood about five foot three. Little hair, curly hairs on his head. He had a friend that wore a brown jogging suit. He stood about six three. He had lost most of his teeth. Um, he talked with a murmur. But I understood everything it was saying. I described these people to give you a visual of these people. And I want you to remember them like I remember them, not just from their storytelling, but as a person. When you think of Flopa and his friend, I want you to really be able to see them. I probably could have described them better, but I'm doing this podcast early in the morning. 
from home. I'm not in the studio today, but I just wanted I just wanted to get this all out before it got away from me. Flopa made me appreciate life. Life is difficult sometimes, but if he's making it on the streets and he's happy to be who he is and where he is, I'm I'm okay with where I'm at. And a lot of people may say he's he's homeless. But off the record, he told me, I'm okay with this. A lot of people think homeless people are just here because we couldn't make it in the world. Sometimes we want to get away from the world because who wants to be tied down to bills and rules when you can live freely off the world? You know, he was honest enough to even say, hey, man, after he after I, you know, he gave us some tips on where to go eat and do these things. He said, you might have you got a dollar and a quarter or two dollars and fifty cents. And I was like, nah, man, I, I don't have any change. I looked at Artesia and I said, she may have it. And he was like, baby, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to take this $250 or this $1.25. I'm going to go down to the corner store and I'm going to give me a a can of hurricane. And I'm going to sit on the corner and I'm going to watch everybody pass by and I'm going to go ahead and give me a drink. I ain't going to lie to you. I at least deserve a tip. You got people walk by here and they don't give me nothing. I'm done trying to talk like a New Orleans, New Orleanian. I'm not any good at it. But he said at all these bars, man, you could get a beer for $10. You go down on the corner, $1.25, get you a can of Hurricane. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be honest with you. I want to enjoy my day. And I appreciated that he was honest. Everybody in New Orleans was honest. The signs were crazy. And, and see, here in Dallas, in Texas, the signs are basic. For homeless people, I I will work for food. I need food. Uh, veteran, whatever, blah blah blah. New Orleans signs read: One girl, she had to be no more than twenty five years old. Had a dog on a leash that was sleep. She was sitting in one of the uh, corners offset of the street on Bourbon, and her sign read: Stop for a fuck, leave a buck. She was writing something on the backside. I was passing by, so I didn't get to see that. But I was like, damn, these people are honest. You know what I'm saying? Then we had a, a, another guy who was dancing. You know, he was tap dancing off in Jackson Square. And he was singing a motto as people walked by not putting a donation into his bucket. And he was like, a buck ain't going to hurt your luck. A buck ain't going to hurt your luck. I couldn't do anything but laugh, you know, because I was like, damn, even in their weakness and most vulnerable state, these people are able to be honest and creative at the same time. It's amazing how they put these things together. It's amazing how they come out and they dance and they tap and they entertain people. And some people can't drop a dollar in there. It was several times I had to go to the ATM and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give these people a dollar, especially if I'm going to take a picture of them or ask them a question. Like, I'm going to give them something. I'm not just going to take something from them. Even for a homeless person, they deserve reciprocity if they're giving you something. They still hustling. They still working. They just doing it differently than, you know, different a different way than you and I. So another great story that I had was I ran into this guy. We went to eat at Oceana. We ate there about four or five times, I think, as I've stated earlier in the podcast. And I ran across this waiter who he gave me some great, great conversation. We talked about uh, Hillary and the war on drugs and 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 the interaction. Um, and how men speak and address men in New Orleans before they speak or address the women. It was crazy. Hey, can I 
question? Yes, sir. Where are you from? Here? Yeah. You from here? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I was listening for the accent, and we were trying to figure out because when we got here, it's like it seems like the culture of the men here they only address the men, uh-huh. and you're the first one who actually like spoke to her, addressed me, oh, like, it, like even with the pictures. I mean, even with like pain, like every day we've been here, it's like even when she's paid, they'll be like, "Oh, thank you, sir." You uh-huh. know? And I'm like, Is "Where y'all a, from?" We from Texas. Oh, I heard that before. Yeah, and I uh, Dallas. I used to live out there by y'all. For real? Uh huh. And I lived out there for 15 years. I, for I was a sales rep for Pepsi out there, out of Mesquite. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I work out of Mesquite. I came back in 2009. What made you come back? I always loved my home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I understand. And I was frustrated with Pepsi. Yeah. Because after 12 years, when I started, yeah. I was still making the same amount of money. Oh. More responsibility. And see, that's Texas, too. You know too. what I'm saying? That's yeah. Texas, that's too. That's that corporate life. Yeah. I'm from uh, Texarkana, so I was, I'm about 30 minutes from um, Shreveport, uh-huh. Bossier City. Uh-huh. So I was always in Louisiana, but I know, we, I was telling her, I said, I think, it, I said, it's not all of them, but I think it's a little bit a part of the culture just for not disrespect of no, women. It's no disrespect. Yeah, it's just an acknowledgement of, I guess, who's like Right, 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 right. That's why I was trying to tell her, but I was like, I'm with me, like I say, always being in Louisiana and going down there, I was trying to explain to her that it's not It's just that. tradition. Yeah. It's, it's just tradition, you know, because <laughs> the South is the last uh, yeah. chance. Yeah, exactly. If you just follow the local politics, yeah. you see that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? True. How it breaks out, right? Yeah, it's true. We all ran behind Hitler. Yep. <laughs> I'm Why? trying to figure that out. Why? I would have tripped everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Try to trip my mom and them, all of them. Yeah. Really I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure it out. I sent her all the information on what was done to us yeah. under the administration. We bring I tell him, man. I've been trying to tell him. I've been I, trying I don't to even tell him. argue with him. I just let it go. Let you it know go. What I'm saying it's gonna do what it's gonna do. I think they're looking at the fact that it was like jobs were a little bit better, gas was better, but I was like, they also didn't have, you know, created the three strikes rule. Right. They have a lot of black men locked up. And one, and you know, one of the white guys I worked with, he was like, but you know, if you get in trouble three times, I said, but you got to look at it from a black perspective. If you're 14. You having a hard time living. Just like you in the wrong crowd one time, and you get rolled up for that one time. Then let's just say you're in New Orleans or you're somewhere else. Because I work with a guy that's from New Orleans, and let's just say you steal a bag of chips because you're hungry. Right, right. You know, I was like, that's your second time. And let's just say at 30 years old, with all this stuff going on with police, you get a run in with the police. Even though you didn't do anything, they can make it look like that. So that's your third strike, and you go away for 15 years. He went on to tell us about or ask me about Viceland, a TV show that's either on HBO or something that you can watch on YouTube and how they're talking about the war on drugs in New Orleans and and how heroin is affecting white people in the Northeast and and how the government is actually handling that. I watch Vice? I just started looking at that. They got a program called We The Kids. Uh-huh. And it's the third one, I think. And it's primarily in Louisiana, St. Landry's Parish, uh-huh. and in New Orleans. Okay. And they break it down and they explain why Louisiana don't want to make We legal. Yeah. Because they make so much money. And it's us. Yeah. It's 90% of us. This man, this putting it out there. Yeah. The dude stand on there, the sheriff of St. Landry's Parish, he said, I'm the big daddy. He said, I gotta take care of all of this. Yeah, yeah. You see the paternalism yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff? Yeah. But we can't take care of ourselves. Yeah. We need you to take yeah, care of us. Yeah. So that's why we can't do away with it. Yeah. Basically, he's saying we still gonna catch these slaves. Yeah. So we're gonna make that money. Yeah. And then tell you to make us more money. Yeah. We're gonna keep doing keep what we're doing. They had Canazero, he's the DA of the city of New Orleans. Yeah. The dude caught up on the three strikes. Yeah. Two joints in his pocket and gave him 13 years. The judge was going to give him five years. Canazero, uh, what they call it, appealed him five different times. Yeah. So they gave the man a whole 13 years. His family, everybody out there protesting. The dude didn't, and see, he wasn't no violence yeah. involved. Yeah, they see, I do. Mm. They caught him on two things, and then 
they hold you in now, and if you ain't got the money, you're going to plead it out yeah. right before the trial even comes. So that's a, that's a violation that's a way, right now. Exactly. And I tell all the time, like, I do I do internet radio and radio in Dallas. Oh, that's So we just did, uh, we did a podcast a couple of, uh, a couple months ago, and I named it. I was like, if you sell weed, you should be free because they got black dudes locked up off what you're now making legal. Right. And now you got white people who got money buying these uh, dispensaries and all of this to make this stuff. You need to let these dudes out. If you're making it legal in Colorado, Washington, California, in those states alone, you need to let people out. And it needs to be considered everywhere else because, but like you always say, we're the ones on the front line. We're the ones on the front line. They see how much money it can be made. And when it can make the government money, then they want to, they want in on it. You've been keeping up with what's happening in the Northeast, though. Mm, what's going on there? That hairline. No, I have not. Dying left and right. And they blaming it on us. That's why you're starting to see a relaxing of the world on drugs. Yeah. Because it's them now. It's now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, men. Been yeah, it's been, yeah, exactly. But the camera is making us come back throughout Vermont, yeah. Connecticut. Yeah. But, but that's but that's the one thing about black people. And legal pills. Yeah. See, the thing, and, I, and that's what, see, I work in an area in Dallas. Uh, well, you were living there. You know Holland Park area with the rich people? So I tell people all the time, these white guys at work, I'm like, if they go through this town, they may not find, like, marijuana and stuff like they may find on the black side of town, but check their purse. I guarantee they got more than three pills in their purse, which that means they're carrying a controlled substance. They're popping that stuff every day to keep it going. But no, on the internet. You got your doctors, you, you plug them. Exactly. But in pure numbers, they use weed. More than us too. Oh yes, way more than us. Oh, just yes. by the numbers. Yeah, by the numbers. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And you know, some people are try to make it like, uh, well, it's more white people than black people here. That's why it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Even if you leveled it down and took the 62 percent of them and narrowed it down to the 13 percent of us and added it up, they're still using more illicit drugs and street right. pharmaceutical drugs. Because when, when you break it down, we 13 percent of the population. Exactly. Right. But of that population, how many people in that population are actually is? using it? Because you got women, it's more than a man. Yeah. You got the children, it's more than a man. Exactly. And most of us is locked up. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. So, so we're not even, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Good talking to you, man. <laughs> I'd be so starved for real conversation. Hey, I, I asked him, how does he get back and forth from, you know, New Orleans to Dallas? Uh, I asked him, does he drive or does he fly? Me, preferably, I prefer to fly. You know, it's 45 minutes as opposed to six hours driving. And he was just very adamant about driving he's like i can't I, I can't drive when you come out there do you drive or fly drive yeah they, they're so degrading flying bro. yeah i'd rather drive than uh, yeah take my shoes off yeah and get yeah. Down and yeah. All that, yeah no that know? makes sense i never even thought about it that way the stories in new orleans were, were endless i ran into a guy when I was walking up Conti Street, uh, me and Arteza were walking up Conti Street looking for something to eat. Uh, she was in search of uh, Ralph and Cuckoo's, I think it's what it's called, because of the last time we went. The fried seafood platter was amazing, but they were closed. You know, it was vacant. Uh, it wasn't boarded up, but it had marker on the window like they were going to do some remodeling of something to the building. So as we kind of walked around aimlessly looking for somewhere to eat, this guy named Agio, owner of the Creole Cookery, was standing outside. With his, you know, he had a part on the left side of his hair. It was salt and pepper gray. He had it smooth and slicked down. His teeth was a little yellow, like he had been smoking for a couple of years, and maybe had a lot of coffee, like myself. He wore a uh, two-piece suit, uh, navy white shirt with a pink tie with polka dots, white polka dots on it, and he was slightly overweight. 
you know, not to the point of unhealthiness. And he had black wingtip shoes that were shined up. You know, you could tell he cared, he cared about his appearance. And, you know, he hollered out to me and he said, hey, come down here. And I just kind of kept looking at the window, you know, at the um, the menu, because in New Orleans, every uh, restaurant has their menus outside on the door, you know, so you can kind of review it instead of coming in. And, you know, if you don't know what they're what they serve, he said, hey, come down here. So he walks down the block and he, uh, I'm a couple of feet away from him. He grabs me on the elbow and he says, hey, man, you don't want to eat nowhere else. You don't want to eat. No, you don't want to. You don't want to eat nowhere else around here. Come in and dine with us. I promise you, I'll take care of you. So, you know, Artesia smiling and, you know, she's easy to suck her in to doing anything. And I'm just kind of sitting there staring at him from behind my glasses. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to keep looking. He's like, nah, I promise you, you come in here. We got some of the best food in New Orleans. You're going to enjoy yourself. Come on in here. So I walk in. He tells me a story about me and Joe Green and the Pepsi Cola commercial and how he made him feel like a kid to meet me and Joe Green. And after that, he proceeded to get a waiter who set us in. The music was amazing, amazing, amazing music. Uh, the setting was amazing. Had the little uh, bistro tables all around and different cultures of people in there. I heard about three different accents and nationalities when they were speaking aloud. They had a saxophonist, a drum player, a flute player. It was it was just amazing. The food was great. At the end of the night, you know, we 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 order a fifty bottle, a fifty dollar bottle of wine. It's not expensive. It's expensive for somebody who's used to buying eight dollar bottles of wine. Let me just say that. So we, you know, we indulged and had a good time. And the waiter came and he kept checking on us. He was man, he was so on point and so good about checking up on us. And before we left, he brought us the check and he said, "Hey, don't worry about uh, the bottle of wine. I took care of that for you, man. You good people. You know, we want to make sure we take care of good people." I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, is there an aura about me? Like, what makes him think that I'm a good person? Maybe it's just, the you know, the sincerity in New Orleans. I'm not sure. So I looked at Artesia and I was like, well, shit, I got to at least give him half the bottle, tip him half the bottle or, or, or at least tip the amount of the bottle. He deserved that because he didn't have to do that. And we paid for the check and we walked out to get back in the streets. And before I left, you know, he touched me on the shoulder and he's like, all right, boss, you have a good day, man. We appreciate you. It's service like that. It's people like that that make you want to come back and visit a city again. Amazing, amazing time. So we had made a whole day of this traveling the city. And after waking up, going to Oceana, talking with the waiter, checking out uh, the Chris Owens parade amongst multiple parades, talking and meeting Flopa, you know, riding the trolleys. You know, we ended up in Jackson Square and... It was like this it was like this violin noise, these violin noises, music playing, not noises because it was definitely music and this bucket drum beating. And it kind of synchronized together, but they weren't even going together. It was just two different people or groups of people playing music in Jackson Square. And it was like it still came together like it it, it was supposed to be. So as we're walking through Jackson Square, if you ever been, it has all these circles and loops to get to the back of Jackson Square from the front where there are horse rides and horse and carriage rides are going. So we walk and we maneuver our way through people and the 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 uh, brush, um, the bushes and the statues. And we walk out the backside of the gate that puts us on the back of Jackson Square. And I look to my right and it's this black guy with this white woman. They're playing this violin music. And then I look to my left and it's this guy sounding like Louis Armstrong singing and playing the trumpet. So I pay attention to the guy. 
uh, playing the violin and people dropping tips in his bucket and everybody's just surrounding him and the way the buildings look, it looks like we're in Europe somewhere. It's amazing. Um, you can go check out uh, my Instagram to see some of the buildings at Sir Robert Poe. It was amazing. After we tipped him and got some video and just enjoyed the the ballad that they played, if that even goes with what I'm talking about, I turned to the left and I went down and I took some pictures of the guy who sounded like Louis Armstrong, who was overweight, had glasses on, real dark glasses, if he was blind with a snapback and a rain jacket. It was this little white kid with curly hair with a hoodie on, and he was standing next to his mother. And he was on looking at the, the guy because he was just so, you could tell he was infatuated with the way he sung and played the trumpet simultaneously. And he kind of creeped up to him and the black man stuck his hand out. And you saw the kid look back at his mom like, is it okay to go? The kid creeped in a little bit closer and the man still had his hand out and then he grinned. A smile makes all the difference. So the kid reached out, he touches his hand, he pulls him in and he pulls him in, he hands him the trumpet. The kid stands by him, he takes the pictures, he's smiling and he started singing a song, All You Need Is Love. And all the white people started clapping and tipping and everything else. And for me, I was just like, kids don't know and understand hatred, prejudices, racism. We teach that to them. In this city, in New Orleans, it showed you that if people are open-minded and just willing to have fun and accept each other, this city can be so, so much. I grew up in a church where they looked at New Orleans as like a Sodom and Gomorrah. And yeah, it's a lot of partying going on down there. People just living and trying to make it from day to day. My experience with New Orleans was amazing. I'm going back again. Probably not next year. I couldn't handle the hand grenades this year. Shout out to Ronnie and Kim for the invite for coming down. Happy anniversary. Hopefully you guys continue to stay married longer and double. I think you guys at 12, 13 years now. Double that, triple that. Again, thanks for the invite. Thanks to Terrence and Ashley. Thanks to Oceana. Thanks to Flopa. Thanks to Marvin. Just thanks to the Astor uh, Crown Plaza Hotel for treating us like kings and queens, man. Thanks to Artesia for sharing the moment with me. And this concludes the podcast, man. The reality is where filter becomes extinct. We will be back in the studio this Saturday with Dr. Kat Smith. Doctor of Human Sexuality and Intimiology. We're going to be talking about sexuality and intimacy amongst the black culture. And we're going to see if we can get some questions answered from some of our um, people who've emailed us and some of our listeners in reference to relationships and love and see if Dr. Kat Smith can help us uh, bring some clarity and and clear some smoke in some relationships and even in our lives. I'm going to have my co-host, Michelle Williams, coming in to help me out with this week's podcast. If you miss it this Saturday, um, first of all, you can listen by downloading the TuneIn app, search FBRN, click on the blue bowl and listen to us from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time this Saturday. If you miss us, you can catch us at therealityis.com. Or you can catch it on uh, iTunes. Uh, That's The Reality Is, T-H-A. If there's other topics you want us to talk about and uh, you want to engage with us, hit us up at info at therealityis.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Anchor. We're on Periscope. And help us out by going and listening to, when you listen to it on iTunes, 
uh, leave us a review. Subscribe. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the show, whether it's good or bad. I could take criticism. We can take criticism over here. We're just trying to get better. Let us know the things that you want to hear from our podcast. Also, if you listen to it on SoundCloud, make sure you um, click on the heart and like us. The more you click on the hearts, it moves us up in the rankings for people to listen to us. And it, it makes, you know, it helps us with our sponsorship. Also, I think I've already given a shout out, but I'll do it again. Thanks to Michelle Williams, my co-host, for sponsoring last week's show um, in reference to helping out and uh, continue to put this content out, man. So this is concludes the end of the show. And like I always say, man, let's go up and always remember to inhale courage to excel success. You guys have a great week. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.